This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. show today i'm going to be joined by two guests who are going to really be telling us more about the proposed hate speech bill now the fact of the matter is that maybe you've been getting whatsapps like i have you've been seen on social media you've been seen posts or things out there saying you need to comment on this well here on voice of change today we're really going to be touching on what this bill really is about and why it is so important for us to really stand strong and to take some sort of action about this bill it will directly affect all of us. So welcome to Voice of Change. It's myself, Lauren Jacobs, and my guest today on the show, Freedom of Religion South Africa, are two incredible guests, Daniela Ellerbeck, as well as Michael Swain. Now, you may know them because they are such incredible human beings who just work so strongly to protect our freedom of religion, to protect our religious rights, and not only our religious rights, but also rights of us as fellow human beings, as South Africans. We need the rights to be protected together and we need to do something about what is happening today so on the show i'm going to be unpacking for you this proposed hate speech bill what it is about how it will affect us what what is this really about who's actually behind it why is it being brought forward and what can we as the public do about it you know what about the jail time are there any exceptions in this bill how will it impact us as christians can you really actually go to jail for posting a bible verse or for speaking up about your conservative religious beliefs well we're going to unpack all of that on the show today this is where you want to be for the next hour because this is going to impact your life directly today and not only your life but the life of your loved ones your church your congregation your grandchildren and their children after that it's going to directly affect your neighbor you know the people you love and care for the stranger across the road it's going to affect everybody when this bill comes up and might be passed but you and i have the power to make the change and to be the change and to take this as something that we can stand against and we're going to be telling you how to do that on the show so michael and daniela with me after this stay tuned faith hope and love be victorious in your own life with radio cape pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m it's going to be such a great time on the show today as i am joined by daniela and michael freedom of religion south africa and we're going to be touching on something that we know a lot of south africans are talking about now i have been getting quite a lot of whatsapp social media feeds and people just asking what is this about can we create more awareness what should we be doing what is the action we should be taking how is this going to inflict on us uh, our religious rights what's this going to be about and there's kind of a sense that people want to know what is happening people want to know how it's going to impact them we also want to get away from talking about any kind of false news around the hate speech bill, any kind of false information that can be spread. And so today I've brought on two of the most incredible people who are going to be telling us a bit about the hate speech bill, dissecting it for us, helping us understand why it is important for us, what it is going to be impacting, why we should be taking action. So Daniela and Michael, so good to have you both with me today. It is going to be a great time. Michael, firstly, to you, welcome to the show today. I hope that you have been doing really well. 
Uh, Lauren, thank you so much. It's always great to be with you on the show and uh, really great to have the support of Radio Pulpit. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And Daniela, welcome to you as well. You are the voice of the law that we're going to be taking today. So Daniela, welcome uh, to you as well. Thanks for spending this time with us. And it's always an absolute pr- uh, privilege to be able to talk to you and your listeners. And we are so grateful for the opportunity, especially on this really, really important topic. Mm. And and that's exactly it. People keep saying this is an important topic. This is what we need to be touching on. Now, I'm going to throw this first question out because maybe there are some listeners who are going, actually, I've got a lot of. Uh, you know, WhatsApps about the hate speech bill. I've been getting a lot of social media stuff, but I don't really know exactly what it is. So I'm going to throw that question out to Daniela. What exactly is this bill? Can you take us through it? Not, you know, not in like a condensed way, but in a way that kind of leads us to understand this is a very intense bill. And what is it about? So, Lauren, a bill is a proposed law, and normally it starts off with the state, state department, drafting a bill, and then that bill goes to parliament because parliament is our lawmaking body that we've elected as South Africa. And the bill moves through both houses of parliament, and if they pass it, it goes to the president to be signed, and once he signs it, it becomes a law. Mm -hmm. So the hate speech bill is a proposed law. And it is currently in front of the second House of Parliament, which means it's at the last, last step before it goes to the president to be signed into law. And what this law proposes is to make a new criminal law in South Africa that will criminalize what the bill deems to be hate speech. Now, obviously, what's important then is what the bill says is hate speech. If you're going to criminalize something and the bill proposes sending people to jail for up to eight years, if you're going to criminalize people um, for saying or sharing things on Facebook or even around their kitchen table, then it's important to know what it is that you're Mm -hmm. saying they're allowed to not say. And this is where the purple hits the fan because everyone thinks, oh, of course, you know, we should all be against hate speech and who wants hate in the public and In my personal capacity as a Christian, I would say that, of course, we're all going to stand in front of the Lord one day and hate is a sin in front of him. And, and, you know, his judgment Mm. is a lot worse than eight years. Mm. But what this bill does is it defines hate speech as any speech that is firstly harmful, with harm including vague concepts such as emotional harm, so hurt feelings, mm-hmm. and that promotes and propagates hatred, which is undefined. So practically what that means is that it's going to be down to some magistrate who's going to hear this case in the regional court to decide whether or not what you've said is hateful with mm-hmm. no meaning for hate being given on a various listed on various listed grounds in the bill, which are quite wide and include controversial concepts such as, for example, gender. So imagine having a conversation around the kitchen table with your children about what the Bible has to say or what you believe as a family about the man being the head of the house and the wife needing to submit to the husband and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, Controversial topics such as um, sexual orientation 
Um, so imagine having conversations with your children around the kitchen table about what you believe um, God thinks marriage is. And this gets out at the child's school. Mm. Um, or imagine or controversial topics such as, for example, um, gender identity. So imagine that your child's school opens up a draft policy um, on you know, unisex bathrooms, for example, because that was a hot mm. topic of debate last year in the media. And you comment um, on it saying, I want sex segregated bathrooms and learners shouldn't be able to go into a bathroom of their choice just because, um, you know, of a subjective belief, because um, that is what I think is in the best interest of my child for various reasons. Mm. Now, all of these things people could argue is, going to hurt someone's feelings someone can decide that that is in their view promoting and propagating hate Mm -hmm. and all of these are listed controversial grounds so for all of these things even for conversations that happen around your kitchen table that get out in public people could be facing up to eight years in jail and that is why this bill is a massive problem Mm -hmm. because of the way it's defined hate speech and the fact that is going to be sending people to jail for up to eight years for conservative views or views that are no longer politically correct. So what's the fruit of this bill going to be? And not only is it going to be people going to jail, and I, I mean already we're seeing um, political party members who have voiced their conservative views on things such as gender identity mm. um, facing, well, getting massive support for their social media posts from the public, Mm. but facing opposition from other political parties who say, you know, in terms of this bill, what you just said would be hate speech. Um, So being threatened with, if this bill becomes law, they will be criminally charged for hate speech and prosecuted. So the fruit of this bill is going to be that people are going to shut up, Mm. uh, to use that expression, and they're even going to be scared to say things around their kitchen table because what happens if my if I'm trying to explain something like my understanding of God's view of marriage or my understanding of gender to my child and my eight-year-old shares that with her friends in school and it gets out. Mm. Mm. It also sounds very subjective, like you're saying, because it's kind of like what's defined as hurting feelings. So, you know, how do you weigh that on a legal scale? And then again, like you said, it goes in front of a regional magistrate. That one sitting in that place can go, oh, well, that that's that's wrong. You know, what you did was wrong. The other one sitting in another place goes, no, actually, that's not wrong. So how are we defining then these concepts? And does the bill make these concepts actually tangible to us because it sounds so very abstract based on hurt feelings, based on subjectivity. Then we can be saying everything all the time is offensive consistently. And uh, that's kind of the world we live in though today that everybody is offended by something. You know, I see on social media, you post like a video of your cat and there happens to be a plant in the background. That's a, that's a strange plant. And then everybody's suddenly like, that's a dangerous plant. And you're putting your cat in harm's way. It's almost like everybody's trying to find uh, something to be upset about and have hurt feelings about. So it kind of is a very scary thing because then it's like you're saying, how do then do we have free speech, which is part of our democratic right? How do we then protect that? And it's something that the United Nations 
has always said that, you know, more speech, more conversation is what helps hate, you know, drive away hate speech, the the dialogues we need to have, the understanding we can have with one another. It should be about more conversation and more speech, not less. So how do we then begin to understand this this reality that we might now be facing if this bill does become law? Well, yeah, I think you've actually hit the nail squarely on the head. The right to free speech is fundamental and foundational to any form of dem- democracy mm. worthy of the name because we essentially find solutions and we find ways forward even to difficult and controversial issues by talking about them so mm. people can have the opportunity to express their views whatever those views may be and the only limitation on it has been a historically hate speech but hate speech in the proper sense of hate speech and hate speech has been typically defined as an advocacy to hatred, which is combined with an incitement to harm, typically to do some form of violence. Mm. And so classic hate speech comment would be kill the farmer, kill the boar. Who do we want you to hate farmers? What do we want you to do to them? Kill them. Mm. That's classic hate speech. But you can tell just from that definition, of course, that it's very objective. In other words, you can tell from just simply listening to it that there's some tangible harm intended to a particular group of people. Whereas what we've got now in this hate speech bill is something which is so loose in the juice, so Mm. nebulous, so subjective, that actually you cannot tell whether something is, in the classic sense, hate speech. Any speech could be hate speech. It will just simply depend upon whether or not somebody believes that they've experienced some form of hatred and whether or not their uh, emotions or their um, general sensibilities have been hurt or offended by it. Mm. That is not at all something which is supportive of democracy. The absolute antithesis, it's it's essentially an opportunity to weaponize free speech against people and to shut down free speech completely. So Mm. this is a very, very dangerous and draconian piece of legislation that we're facing now. Mm. And Michael, the the big thing that people are asking as well is why has this bill been proposed? Who is actually behind it? What is behind it? Why is it suddenly coming in to our country now as we are in a democracy, which, you know, we've been in for a few decades now. We have this beautiful thing that we didn't have before of free speech. Why is this suddenly coming up now? What is actually behind it? Is it a group that's bringing it forward? Is it politically motivated? How do we know what the root of this is? Well, the Department of Justice state that the reason why they believe this law is now important to bring in is because, number one, we must fulfill our international obligations. And I think, Daniela, you'd be best placed to actually talk about what those obligations actually are, or more to the point, perhaps, are not. And secondly, on the basis of racism. There's mm-hmm. uh, supposedly a lot of racist speech going around. But it's interesting, Daniela raised an example in her opening remarks where uh, a, a political leader was making uh, a, a view or expressing a view which many people would agree with, many people would find understandable and reasonable and, and, and in fact, a very good point to make. And yet another political party is now saying that that should be and would be uh, addressed as a crime of hate speech if this bill was in force. Hmm. So I, I think you're right when, when you say we need more speech and not less. 
But Daniela, maybe speak to our international obligations mm. uh, in terms of passing legislation against hate speech and what, what, what those are. So we have various international obligations in terms of international laws that we've signed, that we've ratified as a country. And perhaps the best place to start is by saying that, first of all, the Constitution doesn't protect hate speech, but the Constitution defines hate speech very narrowly, that, as Michael has said, it's the advocacy of hatred based on four grounds, race, ethnicity, gender, or religion, Mm -hmm. that constitutes incitement to cause harm. So you have to have a statement that advocates hatred, so it stirs up hatred in people, feelings of enmity in people, based on, for example, something such as race or ethnicity, um, and then tells the people to go do something about that. Now, that type of speech is not protected by our constitution. And on top of that, we've also signed various international laws, such as, for example, the International Covenant on Civil, Civil and Political Rights, African Charter on Human and People's Rights, um, the International Covenant on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, to name a few. And These require states to firstly protect and uphold freedom of expression and freedom of religion. And I think people need to remember that point. And then also to prohibit hate speech based on, for example, uh, race, nationality and religion in terms of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights um, or in terms of race, color or ethnic origin in terms of International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination. But what people need to remember is that we've been party to, for example, um, the International Covenant on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination, mm-hmm. ISERT. We've been part of that since, like, I, start, I speak under the correction, but I think since 1988 or 1998, more likely. Mm-hmm. So we've been part of this for years already. Um, and we have laws that prohibit hate speech. Mm. Um, we have for criminal law, we've got criminal Nuria, where we've had various people such as Vicky um, Sparrow and Penny Mom- Penny Sparrow and Vicky Mombek, beg mm-hmm. your pardon, um, found guilty in terms of criminal law for racist remarks. So we've already got that prohibited yeah. in terms of our criminal law. And in terms of our civil law, where a person can face a fine or they can be ordered to apologize. Um, amongst various things, but they won't get a criminal record and they won't go to jail. We've got the prevention of um, the promotion of equality prevention of unfair discrimination act, um, commonly known as either Papuda or the Equality Act. Mm-hmm. And that also prohibits hate speech. So um, prominent examples of people who have been found to have contravened um, Puda's prohibition of hate speech would be, for example, John Quilani for his column, I believe it was in the Daily Sun, um, entitled Call Me Names But Gay Is Not Okay and the Constitutional Court found that to have been hate speech in terms of mm. the promotion of equality and prevention of unfair discrimination act. So what we see is that South Africa has already met our international law obligations and that yeah. after all of these years of us having ratified um, these laws, they're not new, they've been on the books since forever and now we're saying as a state, oh, we need this new law that criminalizes speech that we as a state are actually obligated to protect and promote in terms of the constitution because the speech that this law defines as hate speech is actually speech that the constitution sees as protected speech. Hmm. 
and which the constitution obliges the state to protect. So for example, um, if you as a radio station, if you as Lauren Jacobs was, was to play, let's say a Christian song about Jesus being Lord and Savior, being the only way to heaven, uh, only way to salvation, um, or even if you know you were to play a song on any of the other controversial topics we've already mentioned in this mm -hmm. interview, you would face problems in terms of this bill. You would be open to someone laying a criminal charge against you and being investigated, and if convicted, sent to jail for up to eight years. Mm. Now, the state is actually obliged to protect and promote that speech of yours, but what this bill will do, using international law as an excuse, but as we've just said, a rather weak excuse, because not only have we already met our obligations, but there are no new obligations. Yeah. Um, using international law as an excuse, it will want to criminalize you. Mm. So that is the big problem. And it doesn't protect a robust free speech in the public realm. Mm. I'm thinking recently I heard a testimony on a Christian radio station of someone who had came out of uh, homosexuality and was sharing that they came out of that because of their spiritual convictions. And I'm thinking that that would have been identified because of this, the person's story and how deeply they went into the story and what they were involved in and came out of. That would be identified as a hate speech because you're saying ultimately the, the individual was saying, I don't believe gay lifestyle is correct if I'm a Christian. So I came out of that and I went into something else and they went deeper into that. So we're really facing something that really prohibits us from what we can say, what we cannot say, and even our own personal stories, the right to our own personal experiences, what to share from that place. And I just, I, I think it's just it's so much to think about, so much to actually process. We're going to go to a quick song break, but I don't want you to go anywhere because Michael and Daniela are still going to be with me after this. And we're going to be discussing how this is going to really affect Christians and then also what we can do about it. Is there hope for making a change? So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. We'll see you after this. You are listening to Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Your radio compass on the road to true living. Here with me, Lauren Jacobs here on Voice of Change today. And I know that you've been tuning in and listening to what we've been sharing about this new proposed bill, the hate speech bill. And maybe now you're feeling, okay, this is actually very serious. And I never realized how serious it is before. And Michael, I wanted to ask you a, a question that a lot of Christians have been asking. And like I say, sharing on WhatsApps and groups and stuff. How will this directly affect your Christian lifestyle as an individual? How will this affect Christians? Does it mean, you know, Christians won't be able to post uh, Bible verses anymore on social media? Will it mean Christians can't, you know, actually speak up for what they believe in a group or anywhere that they find themselves? Is this going to actually directly affect how we are going to live out faith in the country we're living? Well, the answer to that question, in short, is yes, fundamentally. And we only have to look at the impact of this type of legislation internationally to see some very clear examples of how it's applied and to whom it's applied. Now, we were on a call a couple of weeks ago to an advocate in the UK who deals all the time with pastors who've been arrested simply for speaking out and declaring the gospel in a public setting. 
we've also been aware of the fact that there's a case in Norway, for example, uh, mm. where a, a, a member of parliament tweeted scriptures that basically from Romans, which warned against you know, the possible uh, uh, judgments that you would face uh, if you choose to lead, lead a homosexual lifestyle, but simply tweeting the scriptures. Mm-hmm. She was up on a hate speech charge, criminal charge. A Lutheran bishop who uh, came out and supported her and retweeted the same scriptures, also up on a hate speech charge. Interestingly enough, the initial uh, court case was dismissed, but they have now reinstituted it. From there. Mm. So in other words, you're not off the hook. Um, so time and time again, we have context, e- e- even more bizarre, that there was another international case where a feminist activist uh, said that men couldn't get pregnant and that men couldn't be lesbians, even mm-hmm. if they transition, also up on a hate speech charge. So it's not just simply people of faith who are being caught in this. It's yeah. people who are expressing opinions, which are obviously contrary to the current political narrative, which is obviously very liberal. Mm. And that really means that when you have wide hate speech, which is what this is basically going to be bringing in, when you have it so loose in the juice where hatred is undefined, where mm. you know emotional harm, whatever that might be, is obviously undefined, where we have social harm, somehow undermining the fabric of the society of South Africa, whatever that may be. That means that so many things that you would think would be just normal opinion that you'd be entitled to share will actually potentially be caught. And I'm thinking, while we're we're discussing this, you know, people, for example, who were very concerned about the measures undertaken during lockdown Mm. when there was pushes for, say, mandatory vaccinations and, uh, you know, the closing of of school. I mean, as you know, churches were shut completely while casinos were allowed to operate during that time. Now, if at that point you went into the public domain or even in the private domain and you said that somehow you know you didn't agree with this this was the wrong way forward we shouldn't be mm-hmm. shutting down the country well you could potentially assuming that there's a law which says that what government says is right and the only truth or maybe what the who says is the only information that you're allowed to distribute or disseminate you could be potentially held up on a hate speech charge for undermining the social fabric of the nation mm-hmm. so we need to understand this is an extremely broad piece of legislation. The net is far broader than just people of faith. It will literally catch people for expressing just about any opinion that goes contrary to the popular narrative. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, people who are expressing traditional or cultural uh, or conservative values as well. So very, very dangerous indeed, Daniela. Michael, I think yeah, sorry, Daniela. I I just wanted to to ask before you sh- share what you were going to say. You know, does this bill, proposed bill, make any exceptions for people like religious leaders or journalists or or people who do any kind of reporting? Because how do you change a story if you're reporting on a story on the TV, for example? Uh, how do you how do you begin to you just not report on there is does the bill make any exceptions are there any rights off where it goes okay no actually as religious leaders you're exempt or as a journalist reporter uh, you have some sort of safety in, in place or not really so lauren that's exactly what i just wanted to mention is that this bill tries and fails mm-hmm. to make exemptions um i say tries and fails because 
Because of the bull's wide definition of harm, the fact that the bull includes things such as emotional harm or undermining the social cohesion of the country, whatever that is, in its definition of harm, and because it leaves hatred up to the magistrate to define, these exemptions don't mean anything. Because essentially what they say is that Lauren Jacobs, as a journalist, is not guilty of hate speech unless she's guilty of hate speech. <laughs> yeah. So what is the effect of the bill going to be? Lauren gets a story on a controversial topic, which lo and behold, is most of the topics in the news, right? Yeah. And is Lauren going to sit and think, flip, I can't actually report on this because if I do, I'm going to offend someone or someone is going to say I'm undermining the social cohesion and it's on one of the controversial grounds and I have no idea what hatred is and a regional magistrate might decide that it, this is hatred, just reporting on it. And I'm not covered by the exemptions because the exemptions say that I am not guilty of hate speech unless what I say is harmful, incites harm, or promotes and propagates hatred against a group of people listed in the bill. And those are the three elements for the crime of hate speech. So the exemption clauses don't help me at all. I'm rather going to shut up, hmm. or I'm not going to. I'm not going to report on the story at all. So what we're going to see is we're going to see speech and what people really think being pushed out of the public realm, underground. And remember that the bill doesn't protect private speech. So again, even the conversations that you have with your family around the kitchen table mm. on things that you believe mm. are going to be open and up for grabs. Mm. I'm thinking. I, I think I'd just like to add in there as, yeah. as well that, that there doesn't have to be a specific victim either. In other yeah. words, the, the, the law doesn't require that there be actually some person who comes forward and says, you know, so-and-so said this or did that and that's really impacted me. It, it, it's more sort of a, a straw man type of mm. um, victim that somebody might have been offended or emotionally disturbed by something that you said that was somehow hateful, whatever that might mean. Mm. So it, it, it is, as I say, a very, very wide net. And that is why it is the absolute antithesis of free speech. This mm. law, if it comes into force, will literally be almost the death knell of free speech because people will start to just simply self-censor mm. and they'll be obviously and legitimately concerned with a law like this in place that if they don't self-censor, they might find themselves arrested, tried, mm. and if convicted, as we have said, sent to jail for up to eight years. That is a long time. And I think the other thing to say just on that is that this is against what everybody has been submitting and proposing to government right from the beginning. When we started off this, and this began in 2017, the first offence was a three-year offence, and, and, and a second offence was five years in jail. Mm -hmm. And everybody said there actually shouldn't be any jail sentence because that's the most inhibiting thing for hate speech. And in fact, these international treaties, which governments say they're now trying to enforce, specifically say that in the event that you ever legislate for a criminalisation of hate speech, you have to be absolutely clear and specific as to what it is not this which is so loose as i say we have not really got any idea what it means yeah. but the bottom line is is that the self-censorship is also going to be backed by political uh and potentially very dangerous 
arrests and criminalization and jail for those people who step out of line. Mm. We don't cannot afford this law in a we- nutshell. Absolutely. Just like you're saying. And and that brings me to my final point of asking, and it's the most, almost I want to say the most important thing. What can we do now? Because people can often think, well, it's a proposed bill. It's, it's going here and there. The political players are the ones that are holding it in their hands. What can people do to actually prevent this from going forward? Because the public, I'm sure, and I've seen, are very concerned what can people do? What action, Michael and Daniela, can they take, you know, to just wrap up in the next few minutes? We want to say there is action that needs to be taken here. Lauren, they can comment to Parliament. As we've said, this bill is now at the third and final step before it goes to the president to be signed into law. Mm-hmm. The other steps have also asked for public comment, and now it's still been passed through all the way to the second House of Parliament, and this is your last chance to comment on this bill. Just because you've commented on this bill when it was front in front of the department or in front of Parliament's first house does not mean that you don't have to comment on it now. Mm. This is the last chance that you have the second House of Parliament isn't going to look at the comments that you sent through to the department. It mm. is asking for comments on this latest version of the bill, which, as Michael said, is even more draconian than when it first started. Yeah. Because now we're looking at, for example, eight years as opposed to three years for speech that, mm. again, could potentially straw man, harmful, hatred, all of these mm. loose in the juice definitions. Mm. And so go to the 4SA website, www.forsa.org.za. When you land on our homepage, you'll find a banner. It's got three buttons on it. You can choose which one you want to use. There's a click-through button to the DSA site, mm-hmm. where at the moment we're um, under 9,000 submissions on a law that will take away your fundamental rights and freedoms. This is woefully inadequate to even get Parliament to listen to us. Mm. Um, or... There are buttons where you can download a Word document template for either as an individual or as a church that you can then fill in with your details. And the Word document has the email address of Parliament that you can then send the submission to. Now, Parliament has to consider these submissions that get sent. So give reasons. If you're on the Darius A site, give reasons why you don't oppose, why you don't um want this bill to be law. Otherwise, copy-paste the reasons from the template submission, change them as you deem fit, or simply download a template submission in a Word document and send that through to Parliament. Mm, thank you, Daniela. And do this Do this by the 22nd of May, 1 o'clock, people. If you send it in at 5 <laughs> past 1 on the 22nd of May, they will not look at it. Do it today. We, don't, we, we want you to do it now. Michael, in closing, what would, you be the fi- what would be the final word that you would want to add to this? Well, this bill is on a fast track. We understand that the NCOP want to pass it by the end of June, and it's likely and certainly possible that the president can sign this into law by August this year, which is Mm. just around the corner. Now, here's the thing. Once the president signs the law, even though there may well be, and I'm pretty certain there will be, constitutional challenges against this law, it will be in force and enforceable until such a time as it's actually then either overturned or amended. That means that we are literally on the cusp of having the most draconian law that this country has seen since the post-apartheid era Mm -hmm. coming into force 
in the immediate future. And it will affect us and it will affect our generations. It will affect our children. It will affect potentially our children's children. We cannot afford to sit and stay silent. South Africa must literally wake up and Mm. take action. If enough people stand up and make their voices heard, government cannot simply roller coaster, ramrod this thing through. But it is up to us while we have this opportunity until the 22nd of May, it's very short, to actually raise our voices, make our voices heard and make our submissions. So please, if you value your freedoms, if you value this nation and this democracy, this is not a time to sit silent. It's a time to stand up and be counted. Mm, Absolutely. Michael and Danielle, I want to say thank you both for sharing with us today, for being you know, people who are actually working on the front lines to help bring about this change. I'm going to give out these details again of how people can do this at the end of the show. But I want to say thank you to you both for the work that you're doing, but also for for being with me today, for shining a light on what's going on. And hopefully together we can stop what is or might take place. So thank you so much to both of you today. Thank you, Laura. Really appreciate being on the show. And thank you for doing your bit as a journalist to alert the public to what they can do. Because if we don't protect our freedom of expression, we're going to lose it and we're going to lose it hard. Absolutely. Thank you so much to you both and take care. The word of God is the words of life. Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. It's time to be a voice of change today. You have heard it right here on Cape Pulpit, all about the hate speech bill, this proposed bill, and the fact that it is right there, ready and, you know, almost waiting to go up to the next level, and then it will be signed into place. And I think that it has been a scary, scary information time for maybe some of us, maybe you're sitting back going, wow, this is really scary, and I never realized the severity of what this can do ultimately it does pull us back into a type of state that is centered around censorship and we know that in the apartheid era which we have come out of censorship was so a part of the daily life of people that people were you know placed in jail for certain things that certain things could not be said people's lives were directly impacted this bill will impact the lives of all of us every single South African. It's not just about religious leaders, like Michael said, it's going to impact everybody. It's going to impact everything that we do on a daily basis. And you may be sitting there and you don't take any action or you don't go on over, you don't sign, don't make your voice heard. Well, if if you don't do that, we know that we are going to be directly affected by the reality that is going to be set before us. And sometimes I know that people also say, let's pray together about this. Let us do that as well. Let us really pray that this will be turned around. And let us, with our faith in the prayers that we pray, also have the action that backs up our prayers and the the action that backs up our faith. And that is to really go on over. And that website again is www.4sa.org. And you will see the buttons on there like Daniela explained to us. And she said that you can go on over, you can copy, you can write your own piece or you can copy from the template. But please make your voice heard. Together we can do so much more. Right now we need a lot more people to be commenting on this. If you feel concerned today and you feel unsettled, then I believe that you are being stirred to some action. 
these allow how you feel or maybe this awakening to stir you to action to take that action and that step to comment and say you know what this is not the future that I want for myself my children and my children's children we cannot go back underneath the censorship and we also need something that we have celebrated for so long as a nation our freedom of religious expression and that is something we always talk about and we celebrate and that is now up for grabs so do the best thing pray and take action i hope that you've enjoyed the show today let's together be a voice of change until next week take care and god bless This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.